and welcome to the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life. My name is Kyle Case, and I'll be your host on this amazing journey as we attempt to help you get the most out of your life. Joining me in our studio today is my co-pilot, Lil Barron. Hey there. Lil Barron. How are you? (laughs) I'm doing good. I'm actually doing good. It's a good day. It is a good day. So listen, trivia time. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. So do you like well, trivia games? Sometimes. Sometimes. It depends on the, it depends. Depends on the question, Sports, right? Sports, I'm out. Okay. This isn't a sport <laughs> okay. one, so maybe Ooh. you'll know it. Here's my question. Okay. How many gallons of soda do you think the average American consumes a year? Wow. Gallons of soda per year. What do you think? Is it really gallons? <laughs> really? Oh, my goodness. So I'm guessing you would have probably guessed a little low. I probably would have. So here it is. According to Statista.com, the average American in, in 2018, so this is a, you know, a couple of years ago, a year and a half ago, consumed 38.87 <gasps> gallons of soda. The average American Are you kidding? consumes 38.87 gallons of soda. That's incredible. That's almost 324 pounds of soda. Oh my God! Three hundred twenty-four pounds of soda. That's a lot. The good, the good news though here, if there is good news, is that the trend is actually going down. And I so, helped. So you gave up soda. I did a little bit. Okay, well that's good. In two thousand, the year two thousand, the average was fifty-three gallons. Oh. So we've come down some. Okay. And well, that's, that's and a, that's good. But that's he, good. Here's the deal: sugar sweetened beverages like soda are the number one source of added sugar. In the American diet, because uh, that's probably not too surprising. No, right? it isn't. Our high intake of added sugars is linked to everything from belly fat to increased risk of diabetes. Even in smaller doses, soda can still be damaging to your body and derailing your weight loss efforts. So today, Lil, I wanted to spend a couple of minutes sharing a few good reasons to kick the habit. Now you've already done it. I have. I'm not going to say that I never drink soda, but I I'm not a big soda drinker. But once in a while, I'm not I'll, really I'll happy one. about it. Does that count? You're not happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let me share these. Let me share these okay. things with you, and maybe you'll be happy. Maybe I'll be happier. Okay? Number one, here's the number one reason why you should kick the, the habit of drinking okay. soda. Number one is it builds up fat around your organs. Oh. Now, this is the dangerous kind of fat that's a little bit hard to detect with the naked eye. It's called visceral fat. Mm -hmm. And that means that you might not know that you're in risk of certain health problems because you don't really see it on your body. It's just encased around your organs. So Danish researchers conducted a study of the effects of non-diet soda by asking participants to drink either sweetened soda, milk, which contained the same number of calories as the soda, diet soda, or water every day for six months. So this was the study. Mm -hmm. The total fat mass remained the same across all beverage drinking groups. So they didn't lose fat, even, you know, the, at least in this control group. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the drinkers of regular soda saw a drastic increase in harmful hidden fats like liver and skeletal fat. Listen to this. This is crazy. Liver fat numbers jumped between 132 and 142%. Oh my goodness. For the people who drank the sugared soda, and the skeletal fat numbers soared to an increase between 117 and 221 percent, and that's not counting the 11 percent increase in cholesterol compared to the people who drank the other beverages. So there's something bad going on there when we're drinking our soda. Okay, I guess I'm happy now. Okay, that's good. (laughs) Now, now some people might be saying, "Well, that's okay because I only drink diet soda, so I'm safe." Right? Right. 
Well, according to number two, you're not safe. Switching to diet doesn't help you. It's a, it's a logical assumption, though. You would think switching from a sugar-based yeah. soda to a non-sugar-based soda would help your health. Well, calorically speaking, that could be true. You're, you're reducing your number of calories. Diet sodas contain their own dangers and side effects. In one study, researchers at the University of Texas Health Science Center, they monitored 475 adults for 10 years. So this was a long-range study, and they found that the participants who drank diet soda, listen to this, you're not going to like this, the participants who drank diet soda saw a 70% increase in waist circumference compared with those who didn't drink any soda. Really? That's a big increase. Yes. Now, that's not all. The participants who drank more than two diet sodas per day, Uh. they suffered a 500% waste expansion are you kidding over me? those who didn't drink any soda at all isn't oh, that incredible that is. the same researchers conducted a separate study on mice that indicates it might be the aspartame that causes the weight oh. gain aspartame raises blood glucose levels to a point where the liver cannot handle it and so the excess is stored as fat yeah. so even diet soda is not the way to go is that enough yeah, <laughs> you know, I thought, I thought you might say that. January first was that I was gonna have a have one, but I don't think I'm going to. <laughs> you now. set your New Year's resolution <laughs> to have a soda. On I January did. 1st. Well, let me just share one oh. more really quick with you. Okay, uh, this will be our last one, and we'll move on. Some of us are spending hundreds of dollars on anti-aging products, multivitamins. We work with our personal yeah. trainers. We try to try to get ourselves young and fit. But if you haven't kicked that soda habit yet, here's one more thing that you ought to consider. An American Journal of Public Health study found that drinking 20 ounces of sugar-sweetened soda a day added an average of 4.6 additional years of aging compared with those who didn't drink soda or sugar-sweetened beverages at all. So there's just all these reasons to maybe so I'm really take 26, a look. huh? <laughs> <laughs> to take a look at getting rid of the soda habit. The fact uh, of the matter is, we got to cut back. Oh yeah, on some of these sugar drinks. We just, we just. <clears throat> yeah. Today's guest is Jeff Kennedy. Jeff hails from Henderson, Nevada, and has had 30 years of experience in cardiology and cardiac rehabilitation. He is a certified clinical exercise physiologist and works at the Intermountain Livewell Center right here, right here in St. George, Utah. He also specializes in golf fitness programming. I like that. Jeff, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you both for having me. Hey, we're, we're glad to have you. So, so, Jeff, what do you think? What do you think about all those stats I shared about soda drinking? Well, <laughs> awkward. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm not a coffee guy, so I kind of turn to my Diet Coke once a day, and that's how I get my fix. But um, hey, a lot I'm guilty. A lot of us do. I mean, it's such an easy thing to to just reach for a beverage, and um, I, I'm I'm of the opinion. And the more that I do this show, the more I, I feel good about it. Is that all things in moderation? You know, I mean, right. there's a there's right. a limit, certainly. But you are not alone, Jeff. You're not alone <laughs> in that diet, uh, that diet Coke in the morning or yeah. whatever it is, a little pick-me-up yeah. of a, of a full-flavored, full-blooded, full-leaded Coke in the afternoon. Yep. Certainly a lot of us do it to the tune of about <laughs> almost 40 gallons worth yeah. during a year's time. So. And I was on the uh, Mountain Dew sunflower seed diet through grad school. So. 
again, you're probably not alone. You're probably not alone. But uh, hey, that's not a staple. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm curious. I'm curious, Jeff. You you work specifically with uh, hearts and and specifically in cardiac rehabilitation. I'm wondering if there's anything that you've observed with the people that you work with relating to sugary drinks or soda and heart health. And and I'm not. I don't want to put you on the spot if this is an area of study. I'm just curious if you've seen something. Oh, uh, certainly. You know, just um, I think when we view our body as a system and we're really only as good and efficient as what we put in it. Sure, absolutely. And I mean, it It sounds simple, but in a lot of respects, uh, you know, it's, it, it's true that what we put in our system does uh, either – uh, impact or can compromise how optimal uh, we perform. And when I say perform, I don't mean, you know, running a 5K or biking 10 miles. I mean how well you and I perform throughout our day. Yeah. And that that includes how we respond to the ups and downs of good news and bad news at work, uh, the challenges at school or work, what have you. But, I mean, truthfully, I mean, we are daily athletes. And we all function on different levels and we perform in different ways. So in, in the context, uh, if we view it like that, I mean, that's, that's really what's going on when we view our body as a system. I mean, uh, yeah. what we put into it definitely impacts it. Absolutely. And again, the more that we do this show, the more that we talk with experts like yourself, mm-hmm. the more that we just uh, do the research, it, it's, it it's just continues to amaze me how connected our systems are, how mm-hmm. interconnected everything is. And, and like you said, you, you talk about it as a complete system, but what's good for the heart is good for the brain. And what's good right. for the brain is good for the heart and vice versa. What's bad uh, tends to have the negative effects as well. And, uh, you know, strength training and, and cardio and diet, like those are, they're simple, basic things, but they're so impactful across the board. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and because the heart is so integral to, you know, keeping the whole system going, um, you know, sometimes what manifests in the heart is what we notice first. Yeah, uh, there yeah. can be other things going on, you know, whether it be the carotids or uh, maybe bad posture or the kidneys, what have you. But because the heart is such, is so essential, you know, so primal to the function of the system, you know, uh, sometimes that gets our attention first. Yeah, yeah, that's often the case for sure. Yeah. So cardiac rehabilitation, let's, let's just define that. How, what is it, uh, you know, how does, how does that work? What is it that you do? Yeah, cardiac rehab and uh, diagnostic cardiology is what I've uh, been in most of my career. Uh, what's bringing me here to St. George is uh, some of the programming at LiveWell, uh, um, which we'll talk about as that relates to golf. But when we've done cardiac rehab, um, you know, when people have a a cardiac event in their life, whether it be a heart attack or maybe they had a stent put in or a bypass or maybe even a valve, um, we know there's literature that supports and best practice also supports that the gradual reintroduction and the supplemented education related to lifestyle can help reduce not only uh, readmittance uh, to the hospital, but can also improve quality of life. 
Which makes sense, right? I mean, if, if you've had a heart event, like you said, a heart attack, heart disease, um, something's going on with your heart. First of all, as you mentioned, you kind of feel that, right? That's, yeah. <laughs> you, you kind of notice that. Sure. You know that there's something going on there. And then that idea of kind of gradually building back up and reintroducing the exercise and the diet and, and everything that you need to do to stay healthy and keep that heart healthy, uh, that, that makes sense. Um, obviously, it's a process. If, if you were to have a, a heart event of some sort, what are you looking at before you feel like your heart is, is back to where it should be as far as time is concerned? Well, uh, everybody can be a little different just because uh, w- one of the uh, factors is just your pre-existing uh, state of health prior to the event. Because maybe you were somebody that was doing your daily walk, and just because of genetics and age and gender, you might have been somebody that, you know, you might have heart problems. Yeah. But if it's more about lifestyle where maybe you were inactive, had by a diet, or there was alcohol or drug abuse that contributed to your picture of having that event, you know, it can be a different, uh, kind of a different journey. So in cardiac rehab, what we're trying to do is, first of all, help the patient get over this. There's some apprehension. There's some fear and anxiety as far as returning to activity. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of people will think this is the last thing I want to do. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I, think, I think that I could understand that where that comes from. Now, I, I, you know, I know that that's not true, but I think that I could empathize with that thought of, boy, I just, I just had a heart attack. The last thing I want to do is, is go exercise. Right. I, need, I need to protect this thing, right? Yeah, but in a sense, and what we tell them uh, when a person comes in on their intake is, you know, I use the analogy that we've had the car in the garage, we're doing a little repair on the engine because most of the time in the heart, it's either plumbing or electrical. <laughs> okay. And, like and really, <laughs> and so we're doing some repair on the engine. And now in cardiac rehab, we're going to just kind of go out to the neighborhood streets, keep it in low gear, watch the valves, watch the pressure, watch the gauges on the console, so to yeah. speak. Yeah. And number one, make sure everything's working well. Also working well in coordination with maybe some of the new medications you've been given, but also help you try and regain some confidence as to what your capacities are for walking and getting the mail and doing stuff around the house. Yeah, which makes sense. And and you need, um, you know, a coach or a trainer or an expert that can kind of help you through that process. And that's where you come in, it sounds like. Yeah, and, and the nice thing is uh, most of the time you've got a pretty good connection with the cardiologist or with the cardiac nurse. So if you have concerns about how they're performing or if something shows up in their rhythm or the blood pressures uh, look a little iffy, uh, you can uh, kind of, in a sense, take that concern to uh, the provider and uh, let them uh, you know, intervene as they, as they see fit because it, it is their patient. Yeah, yeah, which makes sense. Now, we've been talking about the rehabilitation after you've had a, a heart um, event of some sort. Mark Middleton, who is the founder of an organization called Growing Boulder, he talks about the concept of prehabilitation, which I would suspect um, to some degree there's a, a lot of crossover and similarities. Uh, you're working with people with, with heart issues. You're trying to get them back up to speed and get that strength back there. What advice do you have for people previous to a heart event? What, what can we be doing? What should we be doing to avoid it in the first place? Yeah. Um, 
it sure comes down to lifestyle. Yeah, it really does. And just managing the factors that impact our, like we were talking about, that impact our system. And so you think of all the inputs for that system. It can be diet, it can be hydration, it can be the substances that we use, the air quality that we're exposed to, mm, yeah. the stressors that are around us and those that we impose on ourselves. So finding that, finding that balance where, you know, we're inputting, uh, you know, supportive messages uh, via diet and exercise and maybe the spiritual component and the uh, stress management part all kind of helps just kind of mediate and uh, lends itself to a healthy engine, so to speak. It's, and it's, again, it's so all interconnected, isn't it? It really is. Now, now you mentioned uh, stress that we put on ourselves, which t- to me, and you won't feel this way, but I find it kind of ironic because in addition to your cardiac rehabilitation, you also are an expert in golf. <laughs> <laughs> golf, fit, golf fitness. Not, <laughs> I, I can still knock it eight rows into the cornfield, but I like to think I know something about golf fitness. <laughs> so, I, I'm not a golfer. I, I mean, Lil can attest. I, I've literally golfed just a handful of times in my life, like like probably four or five times. I've just, I'm, I'm not a golfer. Um, and so consequently, the few times that I've been um, have been somewhat of an exercise in frustration <laughs> and, and maybe a little bit of stress. But you're talking about golf fitness. Now, let's define that. What are we talking about there? Well, about, uh, I'm probably talking upwards of 12 to 13 years ago now, uh, when I, at my previous facility I was at up in St. Paul, um, we had a significant uh, golfing population that uh, we served in our area. And up there, you know, it's easy because the, it's a seasonal uh, sport. Right. And so you got downtime. Yeah. And we always had somebody looking to kind of come in and uh, was looking for something golf specific for that down the, the off season, so to speak. And uh, as I was snooping around for uh, programming that had been vetted, um, we found out that Titleist uh, was the first one and is still one of the only ones that really uh, has a strong tie to the golf community and as uh, medically-based practices that offer some programming uh, to help golfers just improve their flexibility, improve some golf-specific strength, and really as we get older, really, if not maintain, but improve our balance. Mm. So there's a lot of crossover to the elements of golf that you know, we want to see translate into maybe a better swing or a better score. But those same activities have a great crossover as far as carrying over to our daily life of good, you know, good functional strength, good functional flexibility, and having all that together uh, to improve and maintain good balance so that uh, we can get through our days safely. Yeah, mm. and I, I, like, I like what you said. There is a lot of, of crossover um, among all sports, certainly golf included, right. um, where there is that functional aspect. I, I know we're on radio. It's 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 hard to see, but I'm wondering if you can describe uh, an exercise or two that someone might engage in to not only uh, you know improve their 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 functional ability to go about their day, but might even actually improve their golf game. What are what are things that you help people do? 
Well, a real basic one, I, I think, that has great crossover is just a real simple balance activity. Um, and the balance activities within this program are countless, uh, but they're wonderful. Because there's such a variety, everybody might find something different that they like. But a basic one might start off with taking your shoes and your socks off, go barefoot. You know, that's one of the three inputs of our uh, kinesthetic sense in our body is the inner ear, our eyes, and the underside of our foot. So what you can do is at home, have a chair nearby, and maybe just fingertip standing next to that chair just so you got a sense of balance. And then stand on one foot barefoot, okay? And then if you want to challenge yourself, See if you can maybe close your eyes and count to five. Oh, no. <laughs> we tried okay. that once. <laughs> okay. Something is, something is basic of that. I mean, it, I mean um, it goes a long ways as far as let's remove one of those inputs, and now let's challenge the body and, and all that leg musculature and our core and stuff. Let's get those guys firing and kind of figure out that puzzle. What can we do to keep that system in good balance? So that's the importance of having your fingertip on that chair. So you yeah. got a safety outlet right there. Sure. But that's a simple exercise you can start with. Hmm. So uh, it's interesting to me that you recommend removing the shoes. Do, do shoes in, inhibit your feet's ability, I guess, to, to understand your, your balance? Yeah. When you put, you know, when you put a, a, a firm sole or a thick shoe underneath your foot, you're kind of reducing some of that input. Mm-hmm. And so if you look back like maybe six, eight years ago was when FootJoy, which is also owned by Titleist, and some of these other shoe companies, they started coming out with these minimalist golf shoes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so they, got re- they still make the hard leather sole, yeah. you know, the real firm shoe. But you can now get these... Uh, more flexible soles where there's a little more feedback from the ground up during your swing. Okay. And so I think they've uh, recognized how important that is. And that's translated into the design of some of their golf shoes. Cool. I I like that. We've got maybe about a minute left. You talked about a very basic balance exercise that that can be done and and anybody can do that. Take your shoes off, make sure a chair's nearby so that you, you know, you feel like you're, you're protected in case you should get off balance. Close your eyes when you stand on one foot. What's, what's one that might be a little bit more advanced for someone who's, you know, doing pretty good, but still wants to up their game a little bit. Oh, wow. Um, I would challenge you to, and I don't want to make any property managers mad or driving range. (laughs) Okay. But uh, if you really want to get a good sense of how important balance is, is when you go to the driving range, uh, if the property permits, get some golf balls barefooted. Okay. You know, chances are you tend to swing a little more within yourself, so to speak. You're not relying so much on having uh, spikes driven in the ground because you're swinging so hard. Yeah. You'll go a little more with that feedback you're getting from your feet on up as far as where's my balance? How hard am I swinging? Can I stay stable throughout this motion? 
I love huh. it. I love it. Now, I know a lot of courses, and as you said, you don't want to upset any property managers. <laughs> a lot of courses require a collar, but I'm not sure that I've heard that they require shoes. Yeah. <laughs> I've <laughs> seen some golfers well, without <laughs> shoes. <laughs> I'm not one dis- of them, right. but. <laughs> full disclosure, I'll, I'll offer that you do ask before doing so. <laughs> Good advice. Good advice. Jeff, thank you so much for joining yes, us Jeff. today. Some some great things to think about. And, uh, you know, certainly we, we, we live here in a golf area. But not only here right. in St. George, our listeners from all around the world, uh, lots of them love to hit the links and, and get a little golf into their lives. So hopefully we can have you back sometime yes. and we can explore some of these concepts a little bit further. I'd welcome your invite. It's great to talk with both of you today. Thank and, you. And I may have to call you soon. <laughs> Just <laughs> Lil, say it. Lil does golf. <laughs> so anyway, we'll, we'd love to have you yes. back sometime. And thank you for joining us today. Thank you both. Have a good day. You all too. Right. So, Lil, yes. I want to just put in a, first of all, that was awesome. That was great, awesome. Great information, yes. especially for our golfers out there. Uh, I do want to put in a little plug for our 50 over 50. Yes. Um, you know, we've been plugging this for a little while now, but it's just, it's so amazing. You can visit the50over50.com. There you're going to find the entire list of the 50 fittest over 50, yeah. which is just inspirational, amazing. Yes. In addition to that, you can vote for the rockingest 50 yes. over 50. We're down to the elite eight. Uh, yes. And uh, we're, we know, have until Sunday. Until Sunday to get that wrapped up and uh, get your votes in. And of course, you can nominate your change makers as well. We want to remind you to tune in live next and every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time on AM 1450 or FM 93.1 for the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life. We take this live show, we turn it into a podcast, and you can subscribe to that pretty much anywhere the podcasts are found. If you are listening by podcast, take a moment, give us a rating, write a quick review. One of the best and easiest places to leave a review is at podchaser.com slash life. And you can, of course, find this and previous shows right on our website at SeniorGames.net as well. Today's inspirational thought comes from the great Nelson Mandela. And he says, a winner is a dreamer who never gives up. Nice. Until next Thursday, stay active. Stay active.